The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of Sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a lovely ride. Welcome to turning hard times into good times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Hard times and the good times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I am also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Roger Wiegand, who publishes Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? You can get introductory trial subscriptions to all three newsletters by going to miningstocks.com. That's miningstocks.com for a low cost introductory trial subscription to all three letters. The best place to go to follow my work, the work of my partners, is jtaylormedia.com. That's J-A-Y-T-A-Y-L-O-R-Media.com. I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. They are, for the first hour, Gold Bullion Development, Crocodile Gold, Legend Gold Mines, formerly North Atlantic Resources, Calico Resources, formerly Cobra Resources, Brigus Gold, and Palangio Exploration, Inc., Speaking of Plan Joe Exploration, in just a couple of minutes I'm going to be speaking with Ingrid Hibbard. She is the president of Plan Joe. Uh, she has had a remarkable success in the past in outlining a multi-million ounce gold deposit in Ontario. It looks like she could be on to doing the same thing again, if not once, possibly even twice in Ghana. You're not going to want to miss what Ingrid has to say about the progress in her exploration projects in Ghana. In addition uh, to Ingrid, we have three more very interesting guests over the next two and a half hours. At about half past two, New York Times, we will be talking uh, to 
Dr. William Davis Eaton. He's the author of a book called Liberal Betrayal of America and the Tea Party Firestorm, and he's going to be taking a look at the Tea Party and its origins all immediately after. Dr. Eaton, we're going to be talking uh, to Howard Davidowitz. Always a pleasure to talk to Howard. He will talk to us about the retail space, about the consumer in America, about the rapidly declining middle class. What is America going to look like as the middle class continues to to thin out, and where should you be putting your money to protect yourself if you're fortunate enough to have uh, disposable income? Finally, in the last hour of today's show, I'm going to replay. Uh, we're going to talk again, and well, it's going to be a replay, actually, of my January 11th interview with Doug Casey, who will give his take on the damage socialism has caused in the United States, along with funny money, fiat money. Doug will also talk to you about his project in Argentina and an upcoming celebration that I am personally looking forward to attending, along with Doug and several other people. That is during the week of March the 21st. Well, we have little time for chit-chat, so let's get on to our first commercial break so we can get right back with Dr. William Davis Eaton. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Eaton. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to triple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Parkerville Gold Mines, BGM on the TSX.V, is focused on the exploration and development of its gold projects in the historic Caribou Goldfields in British Columbia. Parkerville's mineral tenure now encompasses over 111,000 hectares, covering the 60-kilometer-long by 20-kilometer-wide geological belt and includes seven past-producing mines and two of Parkerville's own proposed open-pit mines, currently in the permitting process. Parkerville recently announced the acquisition of the QR mine and 900-ton-per-day QR mill. Parkerville Gold began mining operations in February of 2010 and is expecting to produce 50,000 ounces in its first full year of mining. Brigus Gold is a growing gold producer with expected production of about 85,000 ounces of gold this year from its Black Fox mine in the Timmins Gold District in Canada. Next door to Black Fox, Brigus has the exciting Gray Fox Pike River Gold Project. Brigus is also advancing its gold fields project in Saskatchewan, Canada, and its promising exploration projects in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. All of its gold assets are in low-risk operating jurisdictions. Consider Brigus as your gold investment choice. Brigus is listed on the MX and TSX under the symbol BRD. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and right. 
Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Ingrid Hibbard, the president and CEO of Palangio Exploration. Well, I'm especially happy to have Ingrid on my show because she has made me money in the past, and she's made my subscribers a lot of money in the past. I was just looking back through some of my old newsletters, and in March of 2008, for example, I noticed that um, Palangio had registered a 57-fold increase over my eight-cent recommendation price going back a number of years. So, um, so you know, it's nice to have people that um, that make you money. It's, it's you like those kind of people, and Ingrid is one that's done well. And the amazing thing is, seems to me, she could be on to another another success. And this one is in Ghana, whereas her first one was in Ontario. Um, so, Palangio has um, has recently done a four million dollar financing. Uh, it has about 120 million shares outstanding. Fully diluted, uh, about 149, I believe, something like that. Anyway, the company has a market cap of around 100, and, little over 100 million dollars right now. So, uh, welcome, Ingrid, to turning hard times into good times. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back. Really good to have you. Um, as I said, uh, it's it's good to have people that that make you money. Uh, you like to have them around and invite them back time and time again. So, um, you, you've uh, really you've got two properties in in Ghana. Uh, you have the Obasi property, which was the reason that I recommended this stock to my subscribers again, and you have the Manfo. Uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about both properties, perhaps. What are your plans this year for both of those properties? 2011 is going to be um, a pretty exciting year for us. Exploration is uh, exciting at the best of times, and I know I have uh, the right team of geos because their attitude is, Every time the core box comes up, it's like Christmas Day, you know, <laughs> waiting to open your core box. And this year, with uh, 30,000 meters planned, uh, about 15,000 on each uh, property, we're going to have lots of Christmases this year. So uh, it's pretty exciting. We're going to be, between the two, we should be drilling almost continuously throughout the year. Hmm. So let's and see. Go ahead. How soon will your drilling start, Ingrid, and, and which property are you going to start drilling on first? Well, we're going. Uh, we're actually drilling right now, mm. and um, we're drilling at Manfo. So maybe I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on the Manfo project first, Please. and then we can go on to Obasi. But uh, you know, Manfo property we acquired only in August last year, mm-hmm. and we started a basically a due diligence drill program to look at four target areas. And uh, believe it or not, four target areas, which were just soil geochem anomalies, we were drilling underneath soil geochem anomalies that had mm-hmm. had uh, some trenching and the odd uh, RC hole in it. And we ended up with four discoveries. Every mm. single target came in. Mm. The very first hole on the property was a gram and a half over 61 meters, and this is all right near surface. Mm. So. Yeah, those are those are nice numbers uh, in these days, Ingrid. We know we've noted on this show that uh, a number of companies are making good money at times with 
less than a gram, sometimes a half a gram uh, per ton. And so when you're starting to talk about early exploration results like that, a gram and a half over 61 meters, that is pretty exciting. Can you tell us anything about, you say you have four discoveries so far. Um, I believe there's more soil geochem uh, anomalies to look at, but could you give our listeners some sense of the size of those of those four targets, or don't, or is it too early to really know the boundaries of those of those uh, mineralized areas? Well, both. I can give. I, you know, we can we can talk about the size of the soil geochem anomalies. And I guess one of the things I'd really recommend everybody do is go take a look at our website because mm. then you'll be able to. Uh, look at some of the maps and the diagrams and and get things into a bit of a perspective mm-hmm. but there are um, there we our interpretation now is that there's two uh two trends so we've got uh, Pokochrome west and infanti west Pokochrome east and infanti east and north south they're about five kilometers away from each other mm. uh, the anomalies three of them are smaller they're sort of um uh 200 meters by 400 meters in that kind of range. And then one of them, Pokokrum East, is uh, much longer. It is uh, getting close to a kilometer long, the solar mm. geochem anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that with the drilling we've done so far, we know that uh, you're not limited only to the bounds of the soil geochem anomalies. There has, we think there's been some erosion. So mm-hmm. we've done some drilling even beyond the soil geochem anomalies and have continued to get gold mineralization. Mm. Wow. And um, right now we're drilling at Pokokrum West. We are drilling right now, so we're sort of halfway through a program it's about, of about 7,000 meters. Uh, we're drilling at Pokokrum West right now, and Pokokrum West is uh, a little exciting because that's where we've in- encountered some significant high-grade near-surface. So we've got, uh, uh, you know, 36 grams over 9 and 8.6 over 12 and again all mm. their surface so mm. it's pretty exciting so yeah. we're anxiously waiting for uh, what this drilling is going to tell us mm-hmm. we are using a man portable rig because we're drilling in people's backyards literally it's in uh, in the in uh, cocoa farms and you want to be as unobtrusive as possible to keep uh, to keep your, the community on your side. So sure. it does take a little bit longer than it might otherwise, but it's definitely worth it in terms of the relationship with the locals. Mm. Uh, so you've so you've got an awful lot of things to shoot at. How much drilling are you expecting to do uh, on the Manfo? Uh, let's say during this calendar year. This year we're going to do about uh, 15,000 meters this mm-hmm. year. So um, probably about five, take, maybe take a little break of uh, perhaps a month and, uh, and get back at it and plan the next program and get, get back mm-hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. We're not only going back to the four uh, anomalies we've already found, uh, followed up on, already drilled, we are going to look at maybe another four or five soil geochem anomalies. Mm. And remember now, what we didn't we didn't kind of lead in with where this project is located. So it's a hundred square kilometers. So we've wow. really only looked at you know a five kilometer st- a stretch of it. Mm. It's located be- between um, Kinross's Tirano and Newmont Sahafo. Mm. Both of those are a series of deposits along a structure. So uh, Tirano, for example. Um, it's over five kilometers, but it's six million ounces. So oh. we want to 
identify as many of these soil geochem anomalies and as many targets as possible this year. Mm -hmm. So there will be a lot of surface work going on as well. So the thinking, Ingrid, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the thinking here that the geological model is the same as, as those two properties on either side of you? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The geology is looking remarkably the, uh, similar. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been able to, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is our people. And people are a big part of uh, what makes Palangio what it is. And our team in Ghana are absolutely first class, very well educated, lots of experience. And recently we've been able to hire Francis Duku to run our MANFO project. And he's had about 10 years experience uh, as project manager and uh, over at Chirano. So it's a huge addition and it will help us, I think, leverage a little quicker when you've had somebody with that kind of experience on a, on a very similar deposit. No question. People are always the uh, people are always the most important thing. Um, good management and and the people that good management selects. Uh, so that's the Manfo. It looks exciting to me, Ingrid, because um, well, you never know. There's no such thing as a sure thing in this business. That's for sure. But when you just look at the, I mean, the, the more drill holes you put down that come up successfully, uh, the more your confidence rises. But but the fact that you've had so much early success, I mean, it, it's, it suggests to me the probability is pretty good that that uh, you're going to keep having more success and, and the drill cores uh, should come out uh, and please those people on the long side of your, of, your, uh, of your shares, I would think. Well, that's the Manfo. Anything else you need? to say about that before we move on to another very exciting property that you have, the Obasi? I, you know what? I think that kind of uh, covers it. it. It gives people a sense. Really, the answer is to go take a look at the website, and then, mm -hmm. then you'll have some uh, – visually it will help you understand where the four are. But we're very excited about it, and I agree with you entirely. In fact, Ghana, to me, uh, I often say it's, it's like being able to go back in time and be in Canada in the 1940s in the very early days of exploration uh, to be able to be getting this kind of targets uh, right near surface. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, just so we don't forget, you mentioned your website. Just tell our listeners now, and we'll say it again at the end, but it is what, Palangio? What is w the website? Yeah, www.palangio.com. Okay, so let's talk about the Obasi uh, property, and that was that was a very exciting property. Actually, in my view, more than justified buying your shares uh, when I put it back into my newsletter a few, you know, a couple of years back. But uh, but then you come up with the, you know with the Manfo, which was un totally unexpected, a, a big bonus, and and an, a, a project that really allows you to uh, probably um, you know count ounces quicker than you can on the Obasi, but the Obasi really is very exciting. Talk to our listeners about that and why, uh, you know, why that is such a good prospect. Well, the Obasi project is the project that brought us to Ghana, and um, really our, uh, our management philosophy is to, uh, to get big district-sized land packages on uh, in some of the world's most prolific belts. Um, which sounds easy, but it's a little like saying, I'd like to be a billionaire. It sounds mm -hmm. easy. It's a little bit harder to actually <laughs> accomplish. Right. Um, and so I'm, I, I am very, uh, uh, very proud of the fact that we've kind of done it twice more here in Ghana. But Obwasi is the one that brought us to Ghana. Um, it's 290 square kilometer land package. 
beside one of the great minds in the world, really, and certainly one of the great minds of Africa. It's uh, arguably the largest vein-hosted deposit in the world. They've mm. mined uh, 30 million ounces out of that deposit over the last 100 years, and there's still another 30 million ounces in uh, global resources. So mm. it's a very big deposit. They are, it's a high-grade deposit. The first uh, 30 years of production were over one ounce per Wow. Time. Uh, they're adding ounces now at depth at sort of 15 grams. So it's a, it's a great deposit, and it's a series of ore shoots um, over uh, eight kilometers. That mm. 14 shoots over eight kilometers that make up this deposit. It has been a tougher exploration uh, than Manfo, without a doubt, because soil geochem, being hilly, or the soil geochem has not been as helpful, particularly close to the property boundary. So over the last year of drilling, we've now success, uh, successfully located the, most, the two most prolific structures on the mine next door, the Cote d'Or fissure and the Obwasi fissure. We've located those on our property. Hmm. So we will be going back and drilling some of the targets close to the property boundary um, in that area. But we have also had some success further away from the property boundary this year where it's not or in 2010, I guess, to, to follow up this year, where it's not as hilly, and we've been able to find some soil geochem anomalies, trench below them, and actually get gold mineralization. So that's the first time we've been able to do this on those properties. So there's mm. two targets there that we're going to be drilling, Ayasi and Bora. Mm. And we are going to be doing about 15,000 meters here, too. Mm -hmm. It is no definitely uh, trickier, but uh, my belief is, you know, we wouldn't have picked up the land package if we didn't think that it had a really good chance of those structures continuing onto our property. And when and if we lock into one of them, it will be a game-changing discovery for us. Now, Ingrid, are these deeper targets, I suppose, at the Obasi? Well, um, they range. They they they, uh, and we have a new um, 3D that's going to be coming out soon, and we'll be putting that on our website mm -hmm. of the one next door because. Really, only one structure out of those 14 came right up to surface, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, they plunge 2,500 meters down to 1,500 meter depth. Mm. And on surface, they have a very small surface expression. So you're looking for something that's 5 to 20 meters wide by 100 to 200 meters long mm -hmm. in 290 square kilometers of your yeah. package. <laughs> yeah, a needle in a haystack, so to speak. Absolutely. So, you you know, we're bringing all of our resources and structural analysis and uh, modern technologies to bear. But um, And we've been working on the project for four years already. So mm -hmm. we really do think that this year uh, is going to be a very exciting year for us with when we take all that we've sort of learned so far and put it together into this drill program. An exciting year on both properties, I guess you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and an exciting year in the gold market generally, I think. So it feels a little like, um, you know, we're firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly looks that way. As I like to remind our listeners and my subscribers on a regular basis, there's no such thing as a sure thing in this business. It's a high-risk, high-return business. But, boy, you have done extremely well in bringing the high-return side of that equation to your to your shareholders in the past, Ingrid, and uh, it looks to me, you know, as a guy that's been around this business for 30 years or so, that you have a real shot at coming up big again on one or maybe two properties. Who knows? It looks looks good. I mean, I like the probabilities, certainly on the Manfo, uh, seems to be 
more sure more quickly, perhaps, but can you give our listeners some sense of when you might expect a 43-101? And I'm, I'm guessing it would be first on the MANFO. It would be first on the MANFO. Well, we will do a 43-101, but a non-resource 43-101. So we mm-hmm. will be getting an independent uh, – we've already um, sort of contracted with SRK Consulting, who have been mm-hmm. working with us uh, – in Ghana since the start, and they will do a non forty three one oh one a non resource forty three one oh one at the end of this program, so sort of mid year this year. Mm-hmm. In terms of a resource forty three one oh one, my and I'm guessing a little bit, so uh please do not hold me to exact dates. But you know, I'm thinking the latter half of next year. Because mm-hmm. we really at Manfo we want to identify more of the more targets there's a whole series of soil geochem anomalies that we haven't even started to look at yet and mm-hmm. given that it's a you know at both Toronto and Ahafo it's a series of these deposits then you know we want to identify as many as we can before we start trying to uh, figure out which one's best and which one to build ounces on well i would guess that if you're successful in building more targets and more targets come in and are mineralized that the markets are going to appreciate that especially on the manfo where they can start to see ounces accumulating down the road, and and certainly you've done well, uh, Ingrid, for your shareholders. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners before we conclude our discussion today? Well, you know, you talked about wealth generation, and I guess that's one of the, that's sort of one of my themes is, you know, that's what attracts all of us at Palangio to gold exploration, I think. It is just such an exciting business to be in, and it's one of those businesses, probably one of the very few, where you can be generating brand new wealth, Mm -hmm. and you can be doing good for your shareholders, but not only for them, for other stakeholders as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if if we're successful in Ghana, it will be good for uh, the region of Ghana. It will create employment, which will mean... You know, people will have the ability to buy medication for their kids. Sure. You really, uh, it's a it's a great place to be. You can feel like you're doing good uh, for your shareholders and for the people where you're working. Well, that's uh, no doubt about it. Uh, gold mining, mining in general, is a wealth creating activity. It is a basic wealth creating activity. You do create new wealth. You know, Ingrid, as you were talking about Ghana, I think uh, I'd be remiss in not asking you. Uh, perhaps for the base, for the benefit of listeners that aren't that familiar with Ghana, just uh, spend 30 seconds or so talking about Ghana and uh, its political stability, because a lot of people may not realize that it is one of the more stable countries in Africa. Well, that, you know, clearly that's a huge part of how we pick where we're going to go. I just I couldn't sleep at night if I had people on the ground somewhere where I was afraid that, uh, you know, at any time they could be shot. So mm-hmm. that, that's just not, that was not on the radar screen. Uh, when I went to Ghana the first time, I had not really traveled to the developing world. So, you, uh, in fact, not at all. And I didn't know what to expect. I, uh, media in North America tends to only ever report about the bad places and, and they treat Africa as if it was all the same. And it's mm. not. And Ghana is a former British colony. Uh, it is has a common law system. Uh, English is the official language. They've had a mining history of 300 years. Uh, they are in favor of mining. They recognize that mining will be good for their economy, good for their people. It will create jobs. Unemployment is one of their biggest issues. 
you have to, of course, be sensitive. You're a guest in their country, so you have to be sensitive to a different culture. And, and quite frankly, that's been part of the joy for me is to learn mm-hmm. a whole new culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the the people generally are, are welcoming. Aquaba it means welcome, and that's the first thing you hear, and you hear it over and over again. So the people generally are welcoming, but in particular, they're welcoming for gold miners because mm-hmm. gold has a, a his, his historic significance for Ghana. It used to be known as the Gold Coast. Sure. Uh, and I, I can't think of a better place in the world to be working. Well, it's, uh, it, it does really sound like you're on to something good for your shareholders and for the stakeholders in Ghana as well. Ingrid, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story with our listeners. It is really a very good story. It's a story that I'll be passing on. Again, uh, updating my subscribers based on this conversation I've just had with Ingrid. Thank you so much, Ingrid. Uh, folks, don't go away. Uh, we're going to be right back in, a, in just a minute after we uh, finish the commercial. Our next commercial break is going to be with uh, William Davis Eaton. He's the author of a book called Liberal Betrayal of America and the Tea Party Firestone. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Crocodile Gold Corp. is a new gold producer with bite. With operating gold mines in the Northern Territory of Australia, Crocodile Gold produced 82,000 ounces of gold in 2010. Crocodile Gold has significant exploration upside on its expansive land package of 2,500 square kilometres. Please visit our website at www.crocgold.com for more information. Don't let this snappy opportunity pass by. Dasha Capital is offering the world's first and only corporate stockpile of rare earth minerals, giving investors the ability to participate in the physical ownership of these critical elements without the associated mining and execution risk. Rare earth elements are used in many industries, from aerospace and automotive to high-tech and green-tech. Dasha Capital is listed on the TSX.V in Toronto under the symbol DAC and on the OTCQX in the U.S. under symbol DCHAF. Please visit www.dashacapital.com to learn more. That's D-A-C-H-A-Capital.com. Great Panther Silver is a profitable primary silver producer trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol GPR. GPR operates two 100% owned mines in Mexico, has a solid track record of increasing production, and continues to add resources and reserves. GPR has developed an organic growth strategy that will see production increase by more than 65% over the next two years. Great Panther Silver is also generating excitement at its new discovery in Guanajuato and expanding its drill program. Look for GPR on the TSX. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a lovely ride. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions 
the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Dr. William Davis Eaton with me. He is the author of the recently released book, Liberal Betrayal of America and the Tea Party Firestorm. This book examines why liberals hate America. It examines the enormous power of the Tea Party movement uh, and the many ways that individual citizens can act to revive the spirit and confidence of a great nation under siege at this time. Dr. Eaton is an attorney, a professional arbitrator, uh, and a former professor who has taught at San Jose State University and the University of California, Berkeley, where he earned his Ph.D. in political science. Welcome, Dr. Eaton, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be on the program. It's really great to have you. Uh, an interesting book, to say the least. Uh, I've uh, Thank you for sending a copy to me. Uh, yeah, I have to start, I guess I'll start out by asking you to explain the title, uh, and I'll take it in two parts. The first one, the first part of the title uh, of your book, uh, Americans, uh, uh, you know, the betrayal, uh, the liberal betrayal of Americans. How have Americans been betrayed by liberals, and who are these liberals? <clears throat> well, they started out in the Democratic Party, but it's uh, it, it's a, a, actually it began with the rebellion of students in Berkeley in 19. 19- 64 on December 3rd and 4th when the uh, administration building was occupied and Mario Savio gave his famous speech uh, actually a declaration of war it was it sounded pretty pretentious at the time but that's the way it developed mm-hmm. it it's uh, it's what has it's what's called the culture war when just one thing after another from our traditional culture was uh, sort of stolen away from us in a way it, one one thing one time after another until uh, oh it infected the media, the arts, the universities, the environmental movement, organized labor, and so on, uh, just rejecting the traditional American uh, Judeo-Christian tradition mm-hmm. and uh, adopting, without being too blunt about it because they don't want people to know what they're doing, uh, without adopting an, an outwardly totalitarian uh, pose and, and and revealing such an intent that that's what's gradually happened mm-hmm. uh, recently a comment was made by Pravda who you'll recall of course is the <laughs> was the newspaper of the, of the Communist Party and, and and it means truth naturally because mm-hmm. they have the truth yes capital T mm-hmm. um, Pravda said um, <clears throat> we must it must be recognized that much like the breaking of a great dam, America's descent into Marxism is happening with breathtaking speed. Huh. Uh, that, and when, did, when it, was that said? When, when did Pravda say that? It that was back- a, a, a year or two ago. I, mm-hmm. I don't have the date, unfortunately, but, I, but that's the, almost... Oh, it was recent, very recent. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they, uh, uh, I, I give those folks credit for knowing it when they see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the the betrayal. It, it, it's t- utterly uh, well. It, it's like uh, they pay no attention to the Constitution. This present administration pays no attention to judicial uh, decisions that uh, they can go ahead and you know drill in the Gulf. Well, they go ahead and don't drill in the Gulf anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, so forth. It, it's a uh, 
it's it's what uh, the candidate advertised as quote transformative change unquote. Mm-hmm. Well, think about transformative. What does that mean? You're going to change from something you've got to something different. Well, what we've got is a constitutional government with a bill of rights, a separation of powers, and a limitation of government powers, and so on. What's the alternative? Well, we've seen the alternative in Russia, in China, and so forth, and that's that's the alternative is socialism in one form or another. That's that's, uh, where, that's where we're heading, and it, what you're talking about uh, is is certainly not something new to me. I was involved a uh, I was involved in a campaign of a, a lady from Poland who was running for city government here in New York City. And, of course, everything is the Democratic Party here, and so she yeah. uh, joined the Democratic Party, and she said, you know, Jay, uh, I, go to these, I go to these events of the Democratic Party, and I hear what they're talking about, and what I'm hearing is exactly what I heard from the Communist Party in Poland. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. That's so right. that, you know, a few years ago, but, it, but the ideology is the same, but it was dressed up as yeah. something that was, that was um, pro-democratic or pro, oh, yeah. you know, anything but totalitarian, Right. Well, there really, I don't think, is a Democratic Party anymore in the Mm -hmm. traditional American sense of a moderately left uh, uh, party that still was patriotic and believed in the Constitution and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a shell now to hide the reality of the very radical people, some of them actually former communists and uh, socialists and members of the... uh, I don't want to call it now. It used to be the common term, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that, that woman is exactly right. Uh, and it's this uh, small minority, actually, but they've got a, a tight grip on the party and, and on uh, they don't need to grip, get a grip on the president because I think he believes in that sort of thing anyway from his own actions. And uh, actually, his whole life history has, has been left, left, left. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, I was... Yeah, go ahead. Thinking that the Tea Party, in a way, uh, is uh, is a reflection or a part of the uh, of the uh, or maybe a predecessor to the uh, mass uprisings we're seeing now in uh, so many Middle Eastern countries. Uh, it, it's 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 a protest against a system that's gotten so rotten that it has to be radically, radically changed mm-hmm. uh, back to what we have, or, or we're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're cer- certainly seeing confrontation on many fronts. Um, of course, we're watching what's going on in the state governments in Wisconsin, for example, and Ohio yeah. has some problems. Lots of most of the states are in, are in you know critical condition financially speaking because they've they've lived beyond their means. Do you think this okay. is all part of this? Uh, I mean, there's economic reality that really is waking people up too. It's not just it's not just the social issues. I guess it's it's socioeconomic, is it not? Oh, yes. Uh, well, the um, original purpose of the Tea Party is they, they, they took a, uh, a poll of 500 Tea Party members and they got a bottom-up rather than a top-down uh, sort of contract for America. And basically, mm-hmm. it's fiscal responsibility, constitutional law, and uh, uh, that sort of uh, traditional value. It, it, it starts with economics, which it has to right now, because if we don't solve that, there won't be much of anything else. Mm-hmm. But it, it's necessarily, the, the, my thesis is, it goes well beyond those first few principles, because 
just because of the nature of of what they're up against and the and the evolution of uh, of the liberal betrayal, as I call it. What I what I think we're operating under is something pretty close to what I call socio fascism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, combination of socialism and fascism i'm not sure there's that much difference anyway no. there isn't to the people who live under it that's mm-hmm. for certain mm-hmm. but uh so that's uh that's why the tea party is destined to if if they can maintain their vitality to go well beyond the uh economic issues mm-hmm. uh to, into what uh well what started at Berkeley came to be called the culture war, of course, and that's uh, what I've just described, how it infected so many of our institutions, and mm-hmm. uh, including, uh, of course, this, this horrible attack against any kind of religion except their own. They, they have their own state religion. They don't know that, but that's mm-hmm. what they have, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the liberals. Sure. Now they like to call themselves progressives, so that... They don't like the term liberal because it's got a bad name. Yeah. Uh, and well, so yeah. Well, that's the spin, and um, and I want to I want to get into these different institutions that have been infected or affected. Uh, before we do that, though, the Tea Party firestorm, the second part of your book, and as I understand it, you believe that this is really a reaction that goes all the way back to 1964, the mid 60s, when we when the sort of cultural revolution here took took hold. Is that right? Well, yes. I, I think, uh, uh, as you mentioned recently, uh, the, to every action there is an opposite reaction. Sure. And uh, I think that the general public that doesn't always pay close attention to politics, which in in a in a healthy society, I think it's a good thing. I don't think anyone we should be political all the time, but, mm-hmm. but that's the way we're becoming. Um, anyway, they this sort of soaks in after a while, you know. First, uh, uh, the schools got start teaching uh, really socialist messages, mm-hmm. and the religion becomes denigrated. Uh, the such things as the environmental movement, which is which has essential and essential uh, good and, and justifiable basis, becomes mm-hmm. uh, captured by the fringe, and and we see these silly things. We can't drill oil. <laughs> well, you know all that, mm-hmm. and we that we can't have uh, nuclear facilities because they're too dangerous. And we got to stop burning coal, upon which we depend for ninety oh, about eighty percent of our energy. I think, or seventy percent, something like that. Sure, it's. Uh, some people say that it's a death wish. That that liberalism is simply a death wish, uh, because if you follow it out, uh, you're going to uh, destroy the generation of, of wealth and the energy of our uh, entrepreneurial society. And if you do that, if you distribute the wealth, so, so they never explain this. They want redistribution of wealth. What happens after it's all been redistributed? Mm-hmm. What's the next step? You know, that's uh, the antithesis of capitalism, I guess. And we, those of us who follow Austrian school economics believe that yeah. you need to have savings and capital, real capital, not well, capital that's created out of thin air by Federal Reserve chairman but by real savings and and people who have savings don't need to spend the money always to consume they're there for capital and that's how you build 
build wealth yeah. over over time, no doubt about it. So they're tearing that down in a number of fronts. There's I, there's no doubt about that. You talk about the environment. I I know uh, you know as a person who follows the mining industry, uh, how silly some of the rules are. Uh, with you know some sort of species of, of of some tiny little insect or something that's uh, that may be going away anyway, but uh, you know they buy things. So the real wealth creation, of course, is leaving America now. It's going to places, other countries where they don't have a lot of these rigid oh, rules. Yeah. And interestingly enough, isn't it that the the communist societies before had some of the dirtiest um, environments of anybody? Uh, oh yeah, we had a capitalist system here. Uh, that was that was clean. It wasn't perfect. We and we definitely had some problems. I, I think you would agree with that. From what you're saying, I, I am. Well, you see, the trouble with those communist systems is that they just didn't do it right. But now this time we're going to get it right. Yes, and that's, that's the same message uh, that, by the way, we're hearing from the Federal Reserve. When I see their policies oh. of the Federal Reserve, is really the same thing that was tried under uh, under Roosevelt. Uh, nothing has really changed very much. They just didn't do it. They didn't perfect it. So they think they can do it this time. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I would I, I would like to get into some of uh, more directly into some of the issues in your book. Uh, talk to us about the events of 1964 that led a led this uh, cultural socioeconomic revolution in America. Now, I'm reading in your book uh, this chanting, and this brings back memories because I was a young guy in that in that yeah. period of time. Hey, hey, ho, ho! Western Civ has got to go. No yeah, justice, right. no peace. No justice, no peace. Savio, Savio, Savio. And this, these were the and, and it was like a mob that gathered in at Berkeley, right? And Berkeley was Berkeley was the first place that that the uh, sort of students started revolting. But uh, talk to us a little bit about what was it like then at Berkeley at that time when this was well. Uh, it's it's an interesting background. In in the summer of 1964, radical students from almost all the major universities got together and decided to have a nationwide protest. And they picked out Berkeley as the number one hit job. And President Kerr was advised that this was going to happen, but he didn't pay any attention to it. He thought, oh, it's this same old student uprising. We hear it all the time and so forth. Well, uh, it was different. And they started out uh, in, oh, in November one time. They got they captured a police car, surrounded it, that had tried to arrest two students. And... And they kept the police and the students in the car for 32 hours. Mm. And finally the university caved into their demands, and uh, they kept building the what they came to be called the free speech movement, which, which would have a, uh, a rally in Sproul Square uh, every noon. And, and Sproul Hall is right behind it, and that's the university administration building. And these noon rallies got bigger and bigger until finally, uh, on December 3rd it was, it was an enormous rally, and there was <clears throat> uh, really an electric feeling in the air that something was going to happen. And what happened was uh, Mario Savio's famous speech, and he said, now follow me, we're going into the administration building, and he cautioned them all, no violence, no violence. You'll pay right into their hands. Mm -hmm. So they occupied the administration building. And in the meantime, Chancellor Strong, whose name is certainly ironic in the situation, but <laughs> uh, would say, what do they, we, we need to discuss with these young people. What do they want? What do they really want? That's mm -hmm. what we need to know. Mm -hmm. And finally, the campus police chief said, sir, what they really want is your head on a pike. <laughs> and that really 
struck me. I was I was fairly liberal at the time, if you can mm-hmm. believe it. And I said, "That's it. You you cannot you cannot uh, compromise. You cannot reason with a revolution because the whole point of it is to turn over the whole system that uh, your enemy, the status quo, is depending on. Mm-hmm. And you can't. This is this is what we're up against now. If if the this is the great danger. If the Tea Party if people start believing in, in the old Washington thing, well, we'll cross the aisle and talk to them a little bit. Well, you get a big pole with a big white flag at the top before you go, because that's what you're going to do. You're going to surrender. Mm-hmm. You, either, you either win or you lose. It's like Reagan said, this is the Cold War. We win, they lose. Go ahead. No, I, I go ahead and finish your thought. What you're well, I was just going to say that's where I learned really what a revolutionary movement is and, and uh, how to identify them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got. That's what I think the uh, uh, betrayal is. It is just turned uh, revolution against the uh, – uh, in fact, I came to the conclusion what I call it now is uh, the, the uh, culture war was really a civil war. In the genuine sense of the, of the term, in that the aim of the of the insurgents is to destroy the existing system and uh, transform it, if I may use Mr. O's words, into something quite different, which would be a socialist fascist system. Mm-hmm. But you know, it sounds so innocent. It's a free speech movement. What's wrong with free speech? Oh, nothing at all. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's, we, the, that's the cleverness of, of the, uh, of the movie. these things are all hidden uh, under that sort of a generality and that sort of a catchphrase. And uh, well, wasn't it free speech? Did it, were they not looking for free speech? Speech being broadly defined, not necessarily what comes out of your words, but their actions. Uh, you know, oh, I think art, the, so forth. It, it, it was an election year, and there. The, the the campus had tr- traditionally had uh, uh, kept the political issues off campus and it, so that they could concentrate on their academic uh, endeavors mm. and they did uh, issue some uh, probably rather foolish free speech rules but uh, there was there was an element of of uh, of validity in 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 demanding free speech, but uh, these guys uh, took it and ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, free speech came, became seditious speech, literally, and uh, speech that uh, as uh, one of the things uh, uh, Savio said is, "Lay your body on the gears, grasp the levers, and bring this machine to a halt." Uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's free speech, but it's also insightful speech. So, mm-hmm. when, when does it become fire in the crowded theater? You know, yeah. that was Justice Holmes' famous uh, definition of where it ends. And sure. it's not easy to say. Yes, there there was there was some validity of it in uh, in the beginning uh, to it uh-huh. in the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I'm thinking 1964. That was Goldwater versus Johnson, wasn't it? No, I'm uh, getting my dates mixed up. Uh, we had wait, wait a minute. Um, well, no, sixty-four would have been Johnson. Well, maybe it was. Uh, it was Goldwater. Kennedy was assassinated. In yeah, 63. I think it was Goldwater. Right. Johnson was president. Nixon. It was Nixon, Kennedy, and sixty. Uh, Kennedy assassinated. Johnson was in. Johnson was out in sixty-eight. He didn't run. So I think yeah. 
if I remember right. So we were looking at a we were looking at a a real more conservative, probably uh, um, a more probably more concrete look at the Constitution. I would guess with Goldwater, uh, you know, strict constructionist appointments to the to the court, perhaps more so with Goldwater yeah. than than you would have gotten with Johnson. I mean, it was maybe a pivotal year when you think about it in those terms. Um, well, pivotal, certainly, from what you're saying, but I'm just thinking I hadn't thought about it before 1964. I'm convinced it was the year that uh, that Johnson, it was Johnson Goldwater. And, yes, it would have been, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. and then, 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 of course, the same the same people that were rallying in 64 probably, well, probably weren't in favor of Johnson so much, but they certainly wanted his head a couple of years later uh, when McCarthy and others ran um, yeah. Are on the liberal side of things, but uh, one of the things I'd like to ask you is the uh, the students. This seems to have been a very well organized, a very very well organized um, uh, attempt here, uh, because I think in your book you talk about a lot of different colleges almost followed the Berkeley experience. Oh, hundreds, and, and there were, but there were a lot of. Who were these students that were behind it, and and was there anybody behind these students that you know of? Who was organizing the students, or do you think it was just a spontaneous, rebellious action on the part of students that wanted socialism, that wanted to wanted, you know, free and easy everything? Um, because we had quite a cultural revolution, a sexual revolution that took place about then. Oh yeah. What, what do you th- do? You think there was? What I guess I'm getting at is, do you think there was some other powers, monetary or, or political powers behind the scene that were motivating these students, or do you think it was just, you know, a, a few thousand students that sort of um, or, or maybe fewer than that that started the movement and because they really believed in it or, or how, what was motivating well, them and who was behind it? Well, when you get kids that age, they're rebellious to begin with. Yes, it's a good question. I've I've never uh, I've never been aware of anything like that. If it was today, I would say it would, would probably be George Soros, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he might have been working at it even then. I don't yeah. know. He's behind almost everything that's bad. Uh, I, I couldn't identify, uh, and that's a very good question. Uh, what what did make them uh, so rebellious? But mm-hmm. I, you could see it coming uh, even in earlier years. There, there was always a a radical student movement, not that mm-hmm. radical, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the professors were uh, uh, Marxists mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I remember I used to have one professor. Marx said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he'd go on mm-hmm. dissertation about Marx. So they had it. They certainly had inspiration from a number of uh, faculty. And, and in fact, it, it that had developed. That is the leftist faculty to the point where, after I got uh, after I taught a few years at uh, Berkeley and San Jose State, I decided that just wasn't an atmosphere that was going to be congenial to me. And mm-hmm. I wasn't going to fight the battle there, 10 well, it, on odds. <laughs> you know, Dr. Eaton, uh, I, I always like to follow the money. Uh, and the thing is, what we've got basically is a statist educational system. It's funded by the government. Yeah. So it seems, it seems curious to me that uh, the government would be somebody that would want to change, that would want to – I mean, everything is funded through the universities. You know how – what is taught in the universities is controlled to a great extent by the government, which gives the purse strings. I mean, you would have a better understanding of that than I. I think you would agree with that general statement that there's things that have to be taught by universities and things that can't be taught or not allowed to be taught. 
Well, in the, in the public uh, educational system? Those things have changed, too. They, they, they used to teach uh, what we'd call civics or something about the Constitution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all and that history sort of thing. and things, yeah. And history, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not done anymore. Yeah. The uh, the people who pay the, pay the bill for the universities are absolutely left out of what's... Uh, of what's happening, and it's it's more and more so in this public school system. Uh, there was a, an incident in Seattle schools where uh, a class was given all the Lego blocks they wanted and, and to build something. Well, they built a little town, and they had you know town square and apartment houses and single houses and so on. And one day, a teacher heard uh, somebody saying, "Well, but I own that." And she was outraged. She said, you don't own anything. Everybody owns it together. Yeah. And yeah. they t- took the Lego blocks away. Yeah. And then they had to bring them back. And when they came back, they had to build everything exactly the same. All the houses were the same. The apartments oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, that's socialism. Aspect. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, another aspect that, uh, as, far as, the, as far as what the public requires... Uh, you know, it's been more and more oppressive all the time. Uh, Vaclav Havel was the first president of, po- of uh, mm-hmm. the Czech Republic after the Czechoslovakia split and so on. He just, he said that the very definition of totalitarianism is uh, uh, layer after layer of bureaucracy, mm-hmm. impenetrable. And that's what we're getting now. We're just getting the... the, the the rules and regulations that are there were 153 new agencies established in the so-called Obamacare health bill, mm-hmm. and all of these people, what they have to do is issue regulations. It's right. beginning to choke, and they're accountable to nobody really. Uh, there's not, no. you know, in the free market, in the market, in the in the public sector, in the private sector, I should say, there's competition that keeps people in line. There's no competition. Right. Unfortunately, we've got to take a station break, a commercial break here, uh, Dr. Eaton, and we're going to come right back with you. Some really interesting things that you're telling us. There's lots and lots more questions I have for you, so uh, stick with us a few minutes, folks. We're going to be right back with Dr. Eaton. Don't go away. 